Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Brothers and sisters in Christ, peace be upon you. A reading from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now let us attend to God's word for us today. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethage in Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it, and will send it back immediately. They went away and found the colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Here ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, please pray with me. O gracious God, abundant to love and merciful in your grace, today we celebrate your entry into Jerusalem. On a lowly colt. O oh God, in this moment, as we struggle to see your world made flesh, give us a glimpse in this moment to that more perfect of union with you. O oh God, I humbly ask that the words I speak and the meditations of our hearts and minds might be acceptable 
as our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Once again, we hear those words. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Once again, we hear that story that we have heard from the youngest of times. The story about Jesus entering Jerusalem. In the midst of these cheers, I want to explore a question about abandonment. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes. Those shouts of joy, those shouts of hope. Every time I read that, or every time I hear the psalm of their praise, I have a question that lingers in my heart. Where were these people on Monday, Thursday? Where were these people on Good Friday? As I have read this text multiple times and had multiple encounters with it, I come away to see their, the answer to that question, while never really expressed in the text, I have this prophetic imagination to see that there are three responses to that question. First is the group of people who showed up for the parade, for that triumphant entry. I don't know if you've had this experience, but you see a group of people along the, the street, and maybe you are a bystander to this, and you watch as they jump and sing and dance, and you feel even though you really are not sure who they are or what they're doing, you feel a positive sense because in that moment you can sense something much more. Yet when the parade moves on, that feeling of happiness and joy vanishes. And so it was for probably many on that day. They came to see the spectacle of Jesus. Probably not even really sure who he was. And once the parade had passed them by, so they went on with the rest of their life. The second group of people, or the people who probably were with Jesus before this. Maybe they were followers of Jesus. 
And then on the night when he gets arrested, they flee. They had hopes and dreams to see Jesus be the one to destroy and overcome the empire which lay siege to their homeland. They struggled to understand how that could take place. And so they couldn't make sense of it. And seeing that, they did what was in their best interest and left. Now the third group of people I imagine are a group of people who stay with Jesus up until the conviction. When Pilate brings Jesus into the group of people which he has assembled, and he asks them, what do you want me to do with him? Do you want me to release Jesus, or do you want me to release Barabbas? And they say Barabbas. For these people, that was the nail in the coffin, if you will, of their hopes of seeing a new Jerusalem. When it became clear that the popular, um, the popularity and the popular movement in Jerusalem was not behind Jesus, they probably too saw that there was no possibility, and so they too fled. What do we make of these three groups of people? How do we make sense of them? God's will is done in spite of our abandonment of God, leads us to see the mission of the church. In spite of our abandonment of God, God's will is done. In this story, notice everyone abandons Christ. No one is there for him when he needs them the most. And yet, God does not abandon us. I think this is powerful. It shows us that while we may engage in the hope of a better day. It is God's will and God's will alone that creates that opportunity. And in the midst of that, it is God's will that completes what God has set forth. You know, out of this insight, I get a clearer sense of the mission of our church. I see these insights growing out of this ability for God's will to be done in spite of us. First, our actions are not the perfection 
of God's will. Yes, we may try to do as good as we can, and we may even sometimes surpass where we might expect, but we will all fall short of the glory of God. In that knowledge, we need to understand our community is here to respond to that abandonment. To help people when they fail by giving them a, a, a sense of sanctuary, a breathing space between the wrong they have done and the right they can do in Christ. Second of all, we need to uplift and support one another as we strive for those better standards, as we strive to live into the body of Christ. Yes, we will fail, but we will always strive to encourage one another to grow in Christ. The more I reflect on these two, the more I come away to see that the church's mission is about reflecting upon God in the unexpected moments. You know, as I reflect on this, and as I reflect on where we are today, and where we were a year ago, so much of our lives have changed, and yet so much of it feels the same. Yes, we have struggled this year, and yet I have seen us take bold actions, transforming the way we do worship, the way we do meetings, transforming even the way we teach. And in the midst of this challenges, guess what? We have proclaimed the good news. Did it go as well the way we would have planned? Hell no. But I still believe we did live into that hope. There's a future ahead of us, and yes, that can be scary. I don't know what is ahead of us, but I trust in the growth is a miracle that we can, that can show us a sign on which ways we should move ahead. In the neighborhood I live, we have an American flag right at the front. I have taken on the responsibility of lowering that flag when the flag is supposed to be at half staff. It's a sombering task to do. And I remember last week 
as I was about to raise the flag, and then the next day I had to lower it once again. First because of the eight lives that were lost in Atlanta, and then lowered once again due to the shooting in Colorado. We have had seven mass shootings in three months. Many believe we can't change. I have a friend in Canada who looks at the news of our time and place and can't make sense of it. They look at us and they are astounded. What will it take, they ask? Not a group of young children dying. Not a group of religious believers worshiping God dying. Many scoff at us and say they can't do it. And when I hear that, there's an anger that is within me. It fills me in that moment. There's an anger that wants me to tell them that they are wrong. I know as a nation, we can affirm the sanctity of life and dignity therein. That we can demand that those who create and propagate these weapons of death and destruction must stand and must be held accountable by law. I understand that we can affirm the dignity and sanctity of life and also understand that there needs to be stringent legal ways to license those who would choose to bear arms in an orderly way as required by the Second Amendment for the common protection. You know, today we celebrate Jesus going into Jerusalem. We remember those who cheered and hoped to see a new Jerusalem. Even as we weep, may our weeping allow us to see more clearly a bold sense of justice. Not a justice for those who have died. Well, we need that most definitely. But also a justice for those who are yet unborn. That they may never lose a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, a grandchild, or child, due to this epidemic of gun violence plaguing our country. 
you know, I know where God is calling me to go. I fervently believe that we can succeed at this. We can make the United States safe once again. But just like those who praised and celebrate in that parade, I have to believe that God has something better for me and for you and for our country as a whole. And if we trust in God's life-giving, reconciling, redeeming love, maybe we can see it as it rides by us on a colt. May it be so for us. Amen, amen, amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.